Bassist John Miller has played with artists as diverse as Bob Dylan and Tommy Flanagan and everyone in between. Much of his professional life is spent as a music contractor for Broadway shows, and now, with his CD, Stage Door Johnny, he brings his various musical influences together for unusual treatments of his favorite show tunes. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. John has sung and played guitar throughout his life, mainly for his own enjoyment. He feels this relaxed approach to playing gives these tracks their natural, unselfconscious flavor. I think of myself as a musician who likes to sing. Mm. And I've always been drawn to the sound of musicians who sing. Uh, you know, from uh, hearing Mose Allison, uh, I mean, e even people like L Louis Armstrong, uh, Hoagie Carmichael, hearing composers sit at the piano and sing. There's something that's so primal and so heartfelt and not about the voice, but about a, a connection with the music and just a personality and a love of the music. And I think that's what oh, uh, Gilberto Jobim... All those guys singing their stuff was just really just resonated very, very strongly. For it's me. really natural. Very natural. I, I feel when I listen to musicians like you're talking about saying that the decisions, they aren't making conscious decisions about how they should be singing. That's right. It's just That's happening right. the same way their music That's happens. That's right. And, you know, a lot of that is also with folk singers. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, a lot of my roots were in the folk world. Mm. And when you think of folk performers singing, you know, you don't think of, you know, the weaver is thinking about their voice. Right, right, You right. don't think about, you know, Burl Ives thinking about his voice. You don't think Pete Seeger wondering if he should have tea and honey before he sings Whim Away. <laughs> uh, 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 um, uh, well, I loved... How authentic. That's what I kept thinking with your different tunes on this CD is that you approached each tune in an original way with a different groove, but I didn't think that you're going for a different style. I guess that was what it was because so many yeah. people, when they do different styles yes. for each track on a CD, it, I feel that very often – well, now we're doing this style. Now we're That's doing right. that style. That's right. You got the groove that seemed interesting for the tune and seemed to work and seemed natural. But it wasn't stylized. It's just authentic. It was really lovely. I mean, even with uh, um, your rap approach, talk about that. Right. I love that. Right. I thought yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. And it was funny, but really what was right for that tune. Yeah. Talk yeah. about that tune. Yeah. As a bass player... I'm a professional bass player and can play any style as a freelance studio and kind of concerts and gigs and jazz people. And I'm, I'm trained to be able to play all styles of music and to be able to do what the leader wants. For me, it was always the guitar. As a kid, I, I, I played the guitar, nev never took any lessons on the guitar. Never really asked anyone to ever pay me a dime to play guitar. 
And when the work was over, when my work as a bass player, work as a contractor, whatever, late at night, I would find myself picking up a guitar. That's how all these tunes came to be. And as someone who's not a professional guitarist, there is a... There's a my guitar playing is somewhat limited because I don't really know what I'm doing on it. Mm. It reminds me of the one time that I played with, with, with Joni Mitchell and I leaned over to her and I said, Joni, what's that chord? Mm. She said, I have absolutely no <laughs> idea. But it sounded so, I mean, right. this stuff sounds so unbelievably great. So I would pick up the guitar and about oh, at least 15 years ago, I found myself going... Boo do 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 ba ba do 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 and a D six nine to a B minor seven do 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 without any song in mind, mm. just grooving on that tune. It'd be late at night, my wife would be asleep, the dog would be asleep, and I'd be watching some boy movie on 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 TV. Boo do 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 just grooving on that for like half an hour just on that chord without thinking about anything and all of a sudden from deep in the gene pool from deep in the memories and affection somewhere I hear myself saying all I want is a room somewhere and that's how not only that tune but all these tunes it was never a decision to do let me do Broadway show tunes never they came from the groove. I'd hear myself going, A minor, E7, hours and hours, just grooving on it. All I want is a room somewhere Far away from the cold night air With one enormous chair of chocolates for me to eat Lots of cold making lots of heat Warm face, warm hands, warm feet Oh, wouldn't it be lovely Oh, so lovely Synapse of blooming My guest, 
John Miller from his CD, Stage Door Johnny. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. So it was never like, I would like to do Hernando's Hideaway. Mm -hmm. I would like to do whatever, uh, uh, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. None of them came that way. I didn't look at a list. I didn't say, you know, I mean, just some people have said, oh, these are interesting songs that some women sometimes sing these. I wasn't enough of a sm- – I'm not a smart enough of a guitar player to really say what do I want to do. And there is – while they're all different, there is a limitation to what I call my kind of quaalude, samba, folky, bossa groove. <laughs> and that's sort of what it I've is. I've always wondered what that was called. Yeah. <laughs> now I know. So that's sort of what it is. And the, the the rap tune that that that, that you were talking about, the little, little rap section of uh, um, I I I think that was in I I'll never grow I, up I I'll, I'll never grow up. That started. I remember playing that chord change to. Uh, I remember playing it for David Spinoza, who mm-hmm. uh, who I got to uh, uh, be my partner in in crime on this. And I was showing to Ben Spinoza, who's like you know the the premier guitar player, said. What are you playing? I mean, he looked at me and said, I've never heard of that chord before. So that's how I found myself going, hours and hours. And then I hear myself going, I won't grow up. I will never go. That's how it came about. I won't grow up I don't want to go to school Just to learn to be a parent And recite a silly rule If growing up means it would be Beneath my dignity to climb a tree I'll never grow up, never grow up, never grow up Not me Not I I won't grow up I won't grow up I don't want to wear a tie And a serious expression In the middle of July And if it means I must prepare Shoulder burdens with a worried air I'll never grow up, never grow up, never grow up Never gonna grow up Not I Never gonna be a man I won't like to see somebody try And make me anyone who wants to try And make me turn into a man Catch me if you can Someone tries to make it Just let them try We will simply run away I won't grow up You gotta promise that you won't Promise that I won't Scout sign or will you stay a boy forever Yes I will And be banished if you say don't And Neverland will always be The home of beauty and joy And never take I'll never grow up Never grow up Never grow up Not me No sir No way Be a mama's boy. Oh no. You 
gonna be a daddy's boy. Maybe so. You're gonna get a degree. No siree. You're gonna get a job. I'd rather be a slob. Never grow up. Never grow up. Never grow up. Never grow up. Not me. No way. Wrong guy. The nice thing to me about the presentation of these tunes is that they came about so organically. Mm. That's what I'm thinking as you're saying that it. They, that they are also very respectful to the essence of the tune. It's not like, okay, now I'm going to do – oh, isn't this unique – a you know a reggae version of uh, whatever oh what a beautiful morning right, something right. contrived and self-conscious they all came from a great i believe probably even unconscious respect for the songs and the only way that i was at all capable of doing them as you're saying it you're making me think about conversations i've had with architects who who feel, at least the ones I've spoken with, that the longer you live, the better architect you are because mm -hmm. you know how life works. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know how people mm -hmm. work. Yeah, so you good. understand there you can have your theories of why a kitchen should go there and you have right. your engineering reasons why a kitchen has to go there. Yes. But as you really understand how people live, you can – be a better designer. Right. And I'm thinking about your life. Yeah, very good. All the things that you've done, not just as a side man, right. but as a person who puts orchestras together. Mm -hmm. You really are the ultimate. You're the uber side man because your job a good part of the time is to be psychologist for all these people, I think of it that way, mm -hmm. what do they really want in a band as a contractor? That's how I understand right. what you do. Right. Not only are you helping people put a band together or an orchestra together, but I know as a leader myself and as a person who spends a lot of my time on the road, it's not just how these guys play. Right. I have to live with those men. Correct. And in a Broadway pit, they have to live together. Correct. In the same way. Well, in a different way than on the road. But you're putting all these things together, so you really know how music works well, I and also how people think, work. And I think part of this is also, uh, as I, as you meet bass players, mm. I think there is a uh, there is something very fundamental and organic and primal about why a musician gravitates to the bass. And in the same kind of way, there is something so supportive about the nature of that instrument. So I think somewhere a connection between being that supportive sideman and playing the guitar and sort of accompanying yourself in that kind of thing, which is all about, you know, initially when I first thought when I first had the idea of, of doing this stuff, one, one of the side perks I thought it was going to be, I'm going to say, boy, now this is a real opportunity for me to shine as a bass player. But I found as this thing went on and on, the bass playing role took a far more supportive role than my initial idea was. I said, oh, man, let me show all these great little, you know, 
all these great slapping things, these great chord things. Let me show all these great little solo things I can do and stuff. But as the material evolved from the guitar, because really the arrangements all emanated from the voicings on the guitar. Yeah, that's what it sounds all like to them. me, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a James Taylorish kind yeah, of thing, yeah. where it all emanates from that. So, you know, the, the connection between the, the, the contracting thing, I mean, where I was aware of, uh, consciously aware of, of the contracting part of this album was, uh, you know, thinking closely about who for what tune, who, what person do I feel comfortable with, what person the way they play is what I hear for this tune. And one of the things that I did, which was one of the few real, I mean, when we think of our lives and how many genius moments we, we've ever had, for myself, I, I probably no more than three. But one of them was when I would bring in the piano player, let, let's say, to, to, to work on the tune, I knew exactly what I wanted. But yet I'm not uh, – uh, it, it takes me too long to write out exactly what I wanted. So I'd given them kind of a, a nice lead sheet with a couple little, you know, things here that Spinoza and I had, had kind of put, put down. But it was basically chord changes with certain ideas. But I started w working to piano player and I – you know, at first they had how do you hear it so they can just, you know, sort of get that out of their system. And then you gradually, as a leader, you gradually guide them. No, I need a little and you try to find the kind of words and the way that you know that, that they will connect with. And I kept on saying, No, I need this, a little more of this here, a little more of this here and then maybe a half an hour, an hour, whatever, two hours later I'd see in their eyes this light bulb would go off and they got exactly what I was talking about. Then this was the one moment of enlightenment that I think I've ever had. At that moment, once they got it, then I said to them, okay, now forget everything I've said and now you bring what you would bring to this now knowing what I want. And that's when really great magic stuff mm. started happening. When you were growing up, what kind of music were you listening to? Because I'm fascinated with people that have so much love for so many different kinds of music, which you obviously do. I mean, you really love all these different styles yeah. that you play. Yeah. It's obvious. You're not a sideman who says, okay, now they're asking me to play salsa. Right. I know how to do it. I'm going to do it. I can get the groove going. I can tell you're really passionate about all these kind of things. So talk about some of the favorite people along the way that you listened to that got you into those kind of music. Like, I mean, you talked about Joe Beam, different singers that you like, but talk about some of the ones, instrumentalists too, that got you into these different grooves because you're a groove man. Yes. A yeah. groove guy, I yeah. can tell. So yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Well, let me tell you one other thing first about that, which was very, very interesting. When we were coming up with the uh, sequencing of the of the album. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, all these things I'd never d done before, and they're really fascinating things, you know, what should come first and what should come last and, and what should follow with that. And I remember playing a, a version that uh, David Spinoza and the uh, uh, engineer Michael Golub and I were very, very co comfortable with, and playing it for Tommy Krasker of P.S. Classics. 
And Tommy had a, uh, said something to me was, again, was so f- great to hear it from a label's point of view. Mm. He said, he said, look, he said, you, you and all your musician friends here, you are all groove-oriented guys. He said, you, you, the first thing that you always respond to is the groove, he said. But as a label, he said, you have to first find a song that introduces people to you, because I had one. I had like Hernando's Hideaway starting it out. He said, "No, no, no. Start out with Why can't you behave?" He said, "Right away, that first bar, people get to know you." Oh, I did. Well, I'm obsessed with that with that track. I played it over I and over. Never would have <laughs> dawned on me what what, what 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 Tommy said. So, yes, I'm just corroborating that, yes, I, I'm not only myself but all my pals. But the first thing that we will hear is what is the groove. So a label is saying who's the person first. That's interesting. And who's you as a singer and all those things that I never thought of myself that way. But he said you must think of yourself that way on this presentation. And that's what's going album. to start it. Correct. Talk about some of your your instrumental influences. Well, I remember – as a kid, uh, certainly my, my parents had all the what I would sort of call the the white big bands of the of the uh, of the time. Everything from you know Carmen Cavallero to uh, Benny Goodman. Uh, but I gotta say, music was, was never a, a major focus in our house. My brother. My older brother, Arthur, got me into it. He played a little ukulele, then I played the ukulele, and then we got, I think a lot of the time was spent listening to folk music at the time. Everything from, like I said, the Weavers to Eddie Arnold to uh, uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford. And there was a time for folk music, too. And there was a time for folk music. Seeing Pete Seeger in the 50s, you know, as sort of a young kid. and then that sort of got into the blues, that got into Lead Belly, that got into Josh White. Well, it's love, oh love, what careless love. Now it's love, love, oh love, what careless love. It's caused me to weep And it caused me to moan And it caused me to lose my happy home Oh, sorrow, sorrow to my heart well, it's sorrow, sorrow, sorrow to my heart. Lord, it's sorrow, sorrow. I mean sorrow to my heart when me and my true love have to part. Thank you. 
Josh White on Careless Love. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Jazz Times, your resource for all things jazz. Visit them at jazztimes.com. For a discography of the music played on our show and a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about my CDs and performance schedule, and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. My guest, bassist, guitarist, vocalist John Miller, is impressed with musicians who understand space. And there's something, again, in the same thing that I think that I responded to listening to Jobim listening to Gilberto, there was always like what you don't play. Mm. About, you know, not playing, you know, no one takes the fill. It's about what's implied. A quem se ama Muita calma pra pensar E ter tempo pra sonhar Da janela vê-se o corcovado redentor Que lindo Quero a vida sem Sim, com você perto de mim Até o apagar da velha chama 
gente desse mundo Ao encontrar você Eu conheci I think that's also one of the reasons why for the last, uh, oh, I think it's about 15 years, I've been uh, studying the Japanese tea ceremony. You know, there is something in that whole world of what's implied, what's not said, what's, you know, like the, the moon is far more interesting behind the clouds. You know, there's something about seeing the old piece of pottery that has the crack in it. So there's something about that, I think, that creatively uh, drew me to the base and drew me to a lot of these artists that, uh, you know, I, I can listen driving up, driving a, a two and a half hour ride. I can listen to James Taylor and Don Grolnick doing The Secret of Life for two and a half hours. I can play that one song for two and a half hours and always find something in it that I didn't hear before. I can hear the same thing when I hear the Bill Evans, Scott LaFaro doing uh, um, uh, Autumn Leaves. Bill Evans and Scott LaFaro's classic recording of Autumn Leaves, a favorite of my guest, bassist John Miller. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. What I'm hearing as you talk about this, too, is uh, the time 
to allow inspiration to come up. Mm -hmm. Because I picture you at home after you've worked and your wife and your dog are asleep and you just start a groove, Mm -hmm. which is like a mantra in Mm -hmm. its own way. That's right. And it gets going and then you don't think about it. And we know as musicians you can get that going. And if it is just a groove and just a couple changes, your A minor to your – E, you know, E7, whatever. That's right. Um, you're really – things are going on in your brain. Right. And emotions. And that's where it all happens when you stop thinking and all of the knowledge then just has something happen because you've forgotten about the knowledge. Yes. And you're allowing that. You that's are right. creating an environment which is what the tea ceremony does. The Japanese are so good at that. They're, they're great at, at, at creating environments – to allow silence and yes. to allow things yeah. to come in, which is what we aren't good at now in our society. It's getting less and less about that. So I especially love you talking about that, about creating situations and feelings to allow these things to bubble up and to happen. It's really wonderful. I'm drawn to things that when the meter has stopped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm drawn to that. I, I'm a... Uh, I like to drive from point A to point B in as slow a way, in the slowest route possible. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I was with my, my wife and we, 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 we were driving upstate and she turns to me and she says, uh, are, are you aware that you're going 35 miles an hour? I said, Connie, I said, now that you mention it, I'm aware that I'm particularly loving this ride. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, see, that's what it and is. And then she said, are you aware that you're in the middle of a funeral procession? <laughs> oh, how funny. I, and then I said, I said, I said, if that's true, Connie, then my goal is to be able to find all funeral processions that I can like drive cross country and catch up with funeral processions. I said, because this to me is the perfect way. 35 miles an hour <laughs> is so slow and the meter, the meter has stopped. Uh, I just love the thought of, again, of just being there in that moment. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, you're making me think about something. It sounds like a complete non sequitur. But you mentioned Jobim earlier, and he was definitely somebody that there that the space was just mm-hmm. there, like you talked mm-hmm. about, not filling that in. And I was fortunate enough to spend an afternoon with him at his house Ooh, in Rio. You devil, you! I know. Oh my lord! And the babe. reason I bring it up in this context, I was very young, and I we had a mutual friend, and so different things happened, and he wanted to meet me, and he had a wife at the time. It was probably about my age at the time, you know, who was much younger than he, mm-hmm. about the, the age of his of his kids. And so she knew nothing except that he is or was Jobim. Right. You know, this great <laughs> figure right. that we all love. Right. And she couldn't figure out why I wasn't sitting there and playing Jobim tunes. Right. And he didn't want me to play any right. Jobim Absolutely tunes. I played right. – I think at the time I played one, I played Wave. Right. But he was completely knocked out by the fact that here was this young girl playing stride piano. Right, yes. So he was fascinated with all this uh, stuff I was doing because it was so dense. Yeah. That style so dense pianistically and his isn't. And we were getting into this kind of 
almost meditative state mm-hmm. of I would play all these notes mm-hmm. and then he, I'd stop and he'd lay his hands on the keys, which is how he played. He right. had that funny way of playing. I'm so percussive and he'd just sort of pop his hands right. and have space. And without him saying anything, then I got a lot of space in what I was doing, yes. even though I was playing stride. Yes. Yes. And then he'd put more notes into the things he was doing without any talking. And she kept coming in and saying, why aren't you playing some tones tunes? Right, why aren't you right. playing that? And finally said, leave. Right, yes, yes. <laughs> Made her leave the room. Yes. But it was this meditative thing going back yes. and forth with neither of us saying anything. Yeah, yes. Just I'll play my thing, you play your yeah. thing, I play. Yes. And we weren't playing together. Right. But we were playing together. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. And those are the things that are really wonderful yeah. when creativity yes. happens. Yes, yes. Talk more about Bill Evans because you're approaching it differently than most people talk about Bill. But for you, with this space thing and his feeling, what it, Well, what, let me give you another example. It, it, it's the same type of thing but using another piano player, mm. uh, um, uh, t- Tommy Flanagan. No, I love Tommy. Now – you know, having played behind so many singers and, I mean, bass players here in New York, a lot of the stuff that we do is play, you know, whatever, the cabarets or whatever they are behind singers and usually tri- tri- trios and stuff. And you listen to some of these records that he did with Ella. And it's just so... It's like, you know, it, it, it's so trite to say... You know, every note, there's not a wasted note there. But everything is just so elegantly, at such a, such a high, high level. And all the focus is on Ella. But as a musician, you say, wait, 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 wait. Let's remove, not, let's not, you know, let's take Ella out of the equation right now. And let's listen to what this guy is doing.
number of years ago, I'm at the gym and I get a phone call from Jim Zack at Nola Studios. Can you get to Nola Studios right away? The bass player did not show up. He said, there is a bass here. Now, as a freelance studio musicians, we're used to getting these last minute things going someplace, not knowing who you're going to be playing for, what the gig is going to be. Is it going to be rock and roll? Is it going to be classical? Is it going to be this? All they will tell you is upright or electric. And that's it. You have no idea if everything is written out. You have no idea if it's a reggae thing, if it's a funk, if it's a bluegrass thing, if it's a pop thing. No idea. And as I'm walking here, I'm aware that there are musicians that that all of us have a, a list of people who we'd love to play with on our dream list. And then there are people that are not even on that dream list because there's no possible no. way that you would even be on that list. You know, there's a possible way that somewhere that if Chick Corea got really, really hung up and went through every single guy, that eventually someone would say to him, well, why don't you call John Miller? Okay. So there's, there's that other list. There's a beyond list. So I walk into NOLA Studios and I see a person who's on that beyond list. I see Tommy Flanagan sitting there. And it was uh, a session for uh, uh. Mo Mo Marlene Verplank. Uh, Joe Cacuzzo was playing drums. And Jay Linhart had forgotten about the date. Or he just, for some reason, he got forcocked, and for some reason, he wasn't there. Tommy's so, not someone you usually forget. Correct. Correct. And it was a, a, a song that one of the few songs that Tommy ever wrote the music. He's not thought of as a, no, as no. a composer. So I go in there. The bass is all there. And they're, they, they've been waiting for, you know, 40, for player, 45 right. minutes. So there's no schmoozing something that go to the bass, pick up. And there was a very sparse, clear lead sheet written. So we play this stuff. And all I'm saying to myself is self just blend in with the plaster. Bring no attention to myself. Play deep, beautiful, rich Buddha notes. Don't do... <laughs> Just play as supportive and with as much respect to the music and to Tommy and make sure that I'm in, in the music and don't be get myself watching myself playing with Tommy Flanagan. Right. Stay with it. Well, the gods were with me. And we do a take and then another take. And I'm, I, I'm glad that I'm not – you know, you don't want any attention to you. Right. When they don't mention you, you know you're in good shape. Right. It's not like you say oh, – you want to have someone say, oh, man, you sound great. No. I want no <laughs> mention of my existence whatsoever. So we must have done about – I don't know, maybe – five, six, seven, eight takes of it. And I haven't opened my mouth. And I'm just playing and I'm trying as much as I can, even though I can't see what Tommy's playing. I'm just, you know, on feel like I'm holding on to his coattails. I just want him to lead me and leave room for him to do 
what, what he does. And of course, Cucuzzo just lays it down so beautiful in these ballads and so, oh, Lordy B. And of course, with Marlene there, it's just uh, into it, but another dimension. So I don't want to get myself conscious that I'm honored to be in this moment. I just want to be in the moment and not right. thinking that I'm honored right. to be in the moment. So then we go back and uh, Jim, Jimmy Zach says, let's go in and listen to, to some takes. And I still haven't said – and the only one who I knew was sort of Joe and Marlene, but I did, did, didn't know Tommy and I, I just wanted to get Oh, you him. hadn't met Tommy I'd before? I'd never met Tommy. Oh, All I knew man. of Tommy was he was on that list that didn't exist. Wow. I didn't realize you didn't yeah, know him. Yeah, wow. I didn't know him. Okay. That's what I'm saying. When I saw him, I said, oh, my God, this is not on the list. Right, of course. So we go in and we listen. And this was the freakiest thing that I think has ever happened to me. We're listening in the control room. And I see my bass out lying on the floor there. We're listening. And I, I know the sound of my bass. And I'm hearing, this, hearing it. And I'm saying, who's that that's playing bass? And I'm holding on like I'm white-knuckling the chair, I'm like, uh, you know, it's not an anxiety attack. I'm just so disoriented. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. And I see my hands. I say, well, I know that these are my hands, and I know these hands played that bass, mm. but something is not in sync. And by the third take, I realized what it was. I had never sounded so elegant. It was being just floating, going along with the Tommy Flanagan world that I was just totally in. And I said, my God, that is me playing. So that, I mean, to have an experience like that. And then when the session's over, now I'm used to, I'm used to playing with people who I've you know admired and impressed with, and so and I'm used to sort of going up to them after the session and saying, "Hi, it was a great pleasure to work with you." And you know, in case you ever get hung up, here's my card and stuff. And I know they'll they'll say, "Oh, that's great, thank you," and they'll rip up the card, and that'll be the end of it. <laughs> and that's okay, and that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. We met, we uh, had this experience. It was a great experience mm -hmm. for me. And uh, and that's it. It's not like uh, the experience is, is any less because they never called me again to do some gig with them at the mm -hmm, Vanguard. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I had the experience. And with so many great other guys, I mean, Jesus, I would call Ron Carter. <laughs> so, uh. so, but I, so I'm about to do my normal thing mm -hmm. with Tommy, uh, take out my card out of the thing. I'm about to walk up to Tommy, and Tommy makes a beeline up to me and says, Where you been, baby? Hey, man, let me have your number, man. Where you been? Who are you, man? Where you been? Oh, man. Six days later, he passed away. Oh. That was a complete Tommy Flanagan experience. Wow. What a beautiful, beautiful experience. Yeah. The epilogue to this story, to me, is even more beautiful. I'm in this high for a week from this thing, telling 
strangers on the street that I played with Tommy Flanagan. I mean, I'm telling, I'm getting in a cab driver telling guys I, I played with Tommy Flanagan. You have no idea what I'm, you know, what I'm talking about. And I run into Cranshaw, Bob, Bob Cranshaw. I tell Cranshaw, I said, I had this unbelievable experience. I said, I'm sure you've played with him many, many times and stuff. He said, absolutely. He said, uh, he said, I used to play with him all the time. He said, and, uh, but he, last time he called me, uh, I told him that I, I, I couldn't play with him. He said, I couldn't play with him because I always felt, and this is Cranshaw talking, Cranshaw said, he always felt as though the way Cranshaw, Cranshaw always feels as though he's a guy that's on top of the beat. He said, and Tommy is a guy who's always behind the beat. And so Cranshaw said to Tommy, he said, Tommy, he said, I want to come and hear you play. The experience would be greater for me listening to you play because as a bass player, I always feel as though I'm kind of nudging you and you shouldn't be nudged. So I want to come to the gig and just dig you playing. That was the final epilogue to the Tommy Flanagan experience. Wow. I mean, just like another musician having such a brilliant... I mean, what a beautiful response. Absolutely. And so, and so generous. I mean, there's people There's people I've heard that I'd rather listen to him than play with him. Yes, that's right. But that's, that's, right. that's deep, yes. though, the way you're yes. saying that. Yeah. And those are things that I find that bass players, it's not uncommon for me. Well, that's that thing about being generous and confident Mm -hmm. too, though, because I know I've been in situations and I'm more confident about it now that I feel better about it before I might think, well, I don't want to do that because I'm not the best person. I've always Mm -hmm. given gigs Mm -hmm. to people that I feel are better for the gig than I am, even when people wanted me. Right, correct. I say I'm not the right person. Right, that's right. You may not know that, but I'm not. Yes, But I've also been in situations more lately that I've just thought I don't everybody wants to come to me mm-hmm. and I don't want them to come mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. the band has a different groove than right. my groove why right. should you all adapt to me right. That's right. I don't want to be the one That's right. that changes everything that's right. if it's not appropriate right. that's for that right. and I think that's a really beautiful thing to talk about and for people to hear because it's a different take on what we do as musicians. Mm -hmm. I I think that people realize that we do something magical and special, but this comes again to the personality aspect that you and I were talking about and what I admire about what you do because you do what all of us do who put groups together but times a thousand Mm -hmm. because you're doing it differently every day. Right. And you're putting people, you're the ultimate matchmaker. Mm -hmm. Because I try to talk to people about that and explain how difficult it is sometimes if I'm traveling with people and we don't get along and we we not only have to stay together and spend time together, we have to go on stage and perform together and be intimate Mm -hmm. in public, Mm -hmm. in front of people. It isn't just the show must go on. Mm -hmm. Everybody works with people they don't like. They go to the office. They have to do it. They do it every day. But there is an intimacy to what we do yes. that is so deep. Yes. And you talk about it in a way that it, it changed you. 
this moment with Tommy Flanagan, which yeah. was so beautifully yeah. expressed the way you did, that it it brought you to a different level, but it's because you wanted to go to that level. You came in with so much respect and thought, just those deep Buddha notes for Tommy. For Tommy. And actually, in the big picture, for ev- everyone. Right, right. For and everyone. that's what's so wonderful. That's right. As a contractor, in taking this taking this concept that is natural to me as a concept. The analogy that I always seem to make is I want to I want to put together people that when they're on the band bus and the band bus breaks down on I-95 in February during a storm because it's going to happen that if I'm with people that I love being with it's a great adventure. Right. If I'm with people that I can't stand, I want to shoot myself. Oh, yeah. So the goal is when you're putting together these groups, and many times, many times, certainly for the Broadway shows, because I don't play them, I'm putting together groups of people that I'm not going to be there all the time. Right, right. So I say to myself, think of myself as being there all the time and think that I'm on the bus with all these, whatever it be, 20 people, 16 people, whatever. I want to make sure that every single person on that bus feels the same way about the, the way that I do about it. Snowstorm, great. <laughs> Even better. Even better. Uh, Well, I think you're wonderful, and the CD is fantastic. Everybody should get it. Stage Door Johnny. And I've had, we're not even in a snowstorm, and I'm having a great time here. (laughs) So this is terrific. I'd be on a band bus with you. (laughs) This is perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This is loads of fun. A great adventure. Thank you. You've been listening to bassist, guitarist, vocalist John Miller. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD, Trio. I'm on piano with my Cashem on sax and Chris Mori on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. Special thanks to NOLA Recording Studios in New York City and our webmaster, Megan Lewis. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Jazz Times, your resource for all things jazz. Visit them at jazztimes.com. And from Steinway & Sons, and Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. Additional support is provided by the American Hotel, Sag Harbor, New York. Learn more at theamericanhotel.com. 
Support is also provided by East Hampton Indoor Tennis with eight indoor and 20 outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information.